Hypovolemic shock treatment. Introduction. At its most basic term, definition, the term shock means that there's a lack of adequate tissue oxygenation throughout the body. Typically, this lack of oxygenation is either caused by a lack of circulating blood volume, a decrease in cardiac function, a decrease in systemic vascular resistance, or some other means by which the body cannot circulate blood flow to the organs. Typically associated with this is a sudden drop in blood pressure by which the body cannot adequately perfuse vital organs. When trying to resuscitate a patient in shock, it is important to keep in mind the etiology of the patient's shock, as this will sometimes drastically alter the process of a proper resuscitation. The most important type of shock that is encountered in resuscitation is hemorrhagic shock. Closely related to this would be a more broad category of hypovolemic shock. Aside from acute hemorrhage, cardiogenic shock describes a, a cause of shock in which the cardiac output is strictly the component by which the body cannot perfuse the rest of the body. Neurogenic and septic shock deal with decrease in systemic vas vascular resistance, which prevents the body from directing blood flow to vital organs due to decreased pressure. The shock from the adrenal insufficiency is another cause that incorporates the factors of cardiac output, systemic vascular resistance, and volume. Roughly 21 million blood products are transfused every year in the United States. Daily, almost 36,000 packed red blood cells, 7,000 platelets, and 1,000 FFP units are trans transfused in the United States. However, the vast majority of these transfusions are not due to hemorrhagic shock, but to prepare the patient for elective surgery. As for the patients with some form of chronic anemia, only 15% of all transfusions in the United States are initiated due to an emergent need for blood products or trauma. Despite the relative infrequency of hemorrhagic shock, it is important to understand the current guidelines regarding appropriate fluid resuscitation in this manner. Indications. When defining hemorrhagic shock, it is categorized based on the severity of impact on the systemic circulation. The corresponding class of shock then determines appropriate intervention. Class 1, hemorrhagic shock, is defined by a blood loss of up to 750 milliliters or up to 15% of total blood volume. At this stage, the remainder of the patient's perfusion parameters is still within normal limits. The patient's heart rate will typically remain under 100 beats per minute and their blood pressure and pulse will remain stable if not slightly increased due to anxiety. The respiratory rate is stable at 14 to 20 breaths per minute and their urine output remains at greater than 30 milliliters per hour. In class 2 shock, the patient has lost 750 to 1500 milliliters of blood between 15 to 30% of the blood volume and is beginning to become symptomatic. They may appear to start to be pale or diaphoretic with mild tachycardia 100 to 120 beats per minute. The respiratory rate may increase slightly, 20 to 30 beats per minute, and their urine output may drop between 20 to 30 milliliters per hour. It is important to note that even outside the realm of shock management, urine output remains the single most important indicator for monitoring fluid status in shock. Additionally, blood pressure cannot be adequately relied upon to detect the beginning of shock, as the body's compensatory mechanisms will keep blood pressure typically within normal limits up until up to 30% of the blood volume has already been lost. Finally, the class two shock patients may demonstrate a slight decrease in blood pressure, which may be the first sign of the body failing to compensate for sudden blood loss. In class three hemorrhage shock, the patient has lost between 1,500 and 2,000 milliliters of blood, 30 to 40% or total blood volume. They will be clearly be symptomatic, confused, will be tachycardic between 120 to 140 beats per minute. Tachypneic, 30 to 40 breaths per minute with blood pressure and pulse pressure decreasing, causing a drop in renal perfusion. 
urine output decreased to 5 to 15 milliliters per hour. Class 4 shock is the most severe case of acute blood loss of over 2,000 milliliters, over 40% of total blood volume. The patient's heart rate will be tachycardic, over 140 beats per minute, and non-palpable or thready peripheral pulse. The respiratory rate will have increased to over 35 breaths per minute, and their blood pressure and pulse pressure will subsequently be severely decreased. Urine output will be negligible, and symptomatically, they will become more lethargic at, with a likely altered mental status. Equipment. Packed red blood cells are, divided, are provided in units of roughly 350 milliliters and are more concentrated than whole blood with a hematocrit of 65 to 75%. The plasma and platelets are removed via centrifuge, and the remaining packed red blood cells are stored in a saline-based preservative such as citrate phosphate dextrose adenine for increased shelf life. Packed red blood cells can be stored for up to 35 days at 2 to 4 degrees Celsius. One unit of packed red blood cells is thought to raise a patient's hemoglobin level by 1 gram per deciliter. These products must be typed and matched for, by ABO and RH for compatibility uh, with patient re recipients. Fresh frozen plasma is given in units of 200 to 250 cc's each and contain all coagulation factors with no red blood cells or platelets. For frozen, fresh frozen plasma to be therapeutic, it must be given at 10 to 20 cc's per kilogram of body weight, which would theoretically increase the body's clotting factor by levels by 20 to 30%. For an increased shelf life of up to two years, they are frozen within eight hours of collection and stored at negative 40 to 50 degrees Celsius. They are then thawed and must be used immediately as their thawed shelf life is only five days before they begin to degrade. Frozen plasma, which is less commonly used, is typically frozen within 24 hours of collect collection and has slightly reduced levels of factor five and factor eight as compared to fresh frozen plasma. Fresh frozen plasma is particularly useful for certain coagulopathies or isolated clotting factor deficiency. There's some speculation as to the benefit of fresh frozen plasma in patients with multiple clotting factor deficiencies or Coumadin coagulopathy, but its standard use in the hemorrhagic shock remains valid. Platelets are given in high concentration, six packs of platelets with one six pack being equal to one uh, aphiris unit one, typically Usually 250 cc's is stored concentrated in small volume of plasma and only has a shelf life of five days at 20 to 24 degrees Celsius. Unlike packed red blood cells, platelets lose what little shelf life they have when they are frozen, and so they must remain fresh from collection to administration. One unit of platelets is thought to increase the, plate, the body's platelet count by 30,000 to 60,000 platelets per unit, unit liter. Roughly 20% of patients can develop antiplatelet um, antibodies after 10 to 20 in transfusions. Technique. Initial hemorrhagic shock resuscitation begins with the administration of IV fluids followed by a transfusion of blood products at a 1 to 1 to 1 ratio. Initial IV fluid should be a 2 liter bolus of 0.9% so normal saline or 2 20 milliliters uh, per kilogram bolus by patient weight. Typically patients in class 1 or 2 can be treated initially with a trial bolus of cr crystalloids, but patients in class 3 or 4 should be getting blood products immediately within the first bolus of crystalloids. The amount of blood transfused depends on a variety of factors, but is specifically centered around the concept of permissive hypotension. Permissive hypotension is the idea that a patient in active hemorrhagic shock should be transfused just enough blood products to retain a systolic blood pressure above 70 millimeters of mercury. 
Then after hemorrhage is controlled, the patient can be transfused to retain a systolic blood pressure above 90 millimeters of mercury. As a rule of thumb, one can expect roughly a loss of one liter of blood with a femur fracture and at least one liter of blood loss with a pelvic fracture. Other long bone fractures such as humerus, tibia, and fibula can also account for as much as 500 cc's of blood loss. As such, a patient with bilateral femur fractures or pelvic fracture can already be assumed to be approaching the, the stage three or four hemorrhagic shock. As the saying goes in accounting for blood loss and hemorrhagic shock, blood on the floor plus four more. This phrase basically is meaning basically that a life-threatening amount of blood can be lost as active hemorrhage outside the body. In the thigh compartment, bilateral femoral fractures, the pelvis, abdomen, chest, it should be noted that no number of transfusions should be used as a substitute for definitive control of an active bleed. Clinical significance. Shock resuscitation remains clinically significant due to the life-threatening nature of blood loss. Due to the body's ability to bleed a significant amount into either the chest, abdomen, pelvis, or thighs, the first signs of hemorrhagic shock may not be so easily noticed. In addition, many cases of shock resuscitation are, are not prompted by traumatic events, but by other forms of blood loss. Whether it be due to a GI bleed or hemorrhage due to coagulopathy, physicians must be mindful of changes in the vital signs should they occur in order to recognize shock. Furthermore, the patient's general appearance may be helpful in determining the diagnosis. If the patient appears diaphoretic and physically, visibly uncomfortable, along with having vital signs suggestive of early stages of hemorrhagic shock, clinical suspicion for shock should be high. A common sign of impending shock can be a decrease in pulse pressure, an increased heart rate, or slight increase in breathing. Most important of all, the clinical evidence of decreased urine output can indicate impending shock as the kidneys become slightly hypoperfused. A decrease of urine below 30 cc's per hour or more, uh, exactly less than 0.5 cc's per kilogram per hour, suggests that renal hypoperfusion could be the first sign of stage one shock. Of course, there are other reasons which could be causing renal, hy renal hypoperfusion. It is vital to keep in mind the patient's full history and physical exam as these may suggest other etiologies besides blood loss. For example, if the patient has been taking a new beta blocker, they may, have, may be having decreased blood pressure and renal hypoperfusion unrelated to blood loss. The physical exam must be used to assess the chest, abdomen, pelvis, and thighs to ensure that there is no evidence of blood loss presence. These signs could be as apparent as decreased breath sounds due to blood in the pleural space or increased abdominal distension or pain due to blood in the abdomen. Patients with some level of coagulopathy may also give, have hematomas that may develop along with, the, along with the psoas, which may be difficult to diagnose on, a, uh, on an exam. Any new pain in the lower extremity flexion or extension should be the reason for concern.